This is John Carlo Volpe, producer of Green Lantern, the animated series, and you're listening to Across the Airwaves. Meanwhile, at the DC Nation, we are tonight's <laughs> entertainment. Here on the world, freezes None of the Robins ever complained. You're going to melt just like a cheese sandwich. And show you just how powerful I really am. Always hold on to all this. I know we should escape my sight, but those who worship evils might be where my power green lands are But let the universe howl in despair, for I have returned. We have no more use for this one. Kill him. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Across the Airwaves DC Nation podcast. The only place so far on the internet to find podcast reviews on Green Lantern, the animated series, Young Justice, and all the other imaginative content DC Comics provides for its fans, including comic books, Brian Q. Miller's Smallville Season 11, and movies. I'm, of course, Dan Schmidt, your host, and with me is a guy who has a fear of being stalked across the airwaves, very own Michael J. Petty. And Michael, can you give the titles of the episodes and shorts we are covering today, as well as the comic books? Absolutely, Dan. On this episode of the DC Nation podcast, we will be covering the Green Lantern animated series episode, Prisoner of Sinestro. Yes. Along with the Young Justice Invasion episode, True Colors. The Smallville Season 11 issue, Haunted Chapter 6, and the two DC Nation shorts, Batman of Shanghai Bane, and Amethyst, Level 3, Random Encounter. And it certainly was random. Well, I have a feeling this whole episode will be a little bit random, Dan. Yeah, I think the DC Nation kind of showed a little bit of its true colors, kind of where some of the male writers stand of these programs. <laughs> <laughs> Some of these guys must have worked on another show that we all know and love from DC Comics. Yes. But we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> First, let's talk about a Green Lantern, the animated series episode that I thought lived up to the hype. Did you, Michael? Uh, yeah, I think oh. so. I look forward to seeing a certain character more. but Well, it's, it's, it's the first step. Exactly. A much, much bigger story arc, and I thought it was a decent start. So let's talk about the episode... Prisoner of Sinestro. One of Hal's new teammates, the Green Lantern Sinestro, unwittingly unleashes a dangerous entity during a mission aboard the Interceptor. This week's episode of Green Lantern started out with Hal and Kilowog having their regular argument about following protocol or making things up as they go in regards to battling the Manhunters. Yeah, it's pretty much the same old at between those two. But what left us in agony during this scene, because Michael was on the floor withering in pain, was Aya trying to express her feelings towards Razor, only for the guy to blow her off again. The feels! Ugh. Because even an affecting an announcer man, it's that bad. And really, honestly, from here on out, things went from bad to worse for the Aya Razor romance. But we'll get that to that in a minute because that more or less comes into play with my thoughts at the end of this episode. But first off, Michael, I want to ask, about, ask you about your thoughts on the opening sequence on the prison ship. 
This is probably the most impressive animation I've seen featuring the Interceptor. And it made it for an outstanding introduction to Sinestro's character. And I mean, what did you think of it, Michael? I thought it was incredible. I really yeah. did. It, to me, it was really on board with that um, fight scene at the end of the first half of the season. Yes. With, with Kilowog, Mogo, and St. Walker versus the entire Red Lantern army. It it was very on, very up there with that. Prob- probably parallel to it, in fact. I re- it was really cool. It seemed like something... Well, okay. It seemed like I was watching Star Wars. Yeah, it was that breathtaking. It really was. And, and they threw in a little if, bit of the Death Star Trench run in there. Yes, they did. It was also fun. Yes, they did. And I, I'm telling you, if if they give Green Lantern another movie and we don't see something like this, th- I would never want them to give them another movie again because this is exactly what we need to start seeing in Green Lantern movies because really, Green Lantern really should be the Star Wars of the uh that's what Mr. Jeff Johns calls it. Yeah. So it really is. So And some I, of the shots they, they did like uh like you were seeing the perspective of the the interceptor what the ship was seeing. Yep. When it was flying through the, the, those explosions and how it weaved in and out was just breathtaking. Especially yeah. on an H D T V. Oh Holy yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, it was nuts. It was it was just awesome. It really was. There's no other way to say it. Well, I could have had Duel of the Fates playing in the background again, like well, I said at the end of the first half of last season. And it, and it was great for the story as well, because I, I figured it really did a nice job of easily explaining why Hal idolized Sinestro without having to go into a ton of backstory. I mean, the whole thing with the, the grappling hook that Sinestro did, yeah. how he pulled himself on board the ship got like surfed away that was awesome i mean you could totally tell why hal loves this guy it's it really was awesome (laughs) yeah i I mean well plus the fact i'm i think we'll probably end up going into more backstory between them because it seems like he is the one who trained hal oh yeah from how from their how their dialogue went i I wasn't sure if that's the route they were gonna go on the show but it seems like that's where they were going and I'm glad they didn't bog us down with that. They just yeah. went right into it. Well, and Sinestro himself even respects Hal in some respect, too. Yeah, which is a thing which for the see, Which is a change. Yeah. And but, the other thing about this, and, and it was it was different how they put this action sequence. Normally they put this kind of stuff at the end. Did you like how they mixed it up this time around? I Yeah, like you, like you said, I thought it was a really good introduction to Sinestro and why Hal idolized him in some respect. So I think putting it at the beginning, not only gave the kids something really, and us something really awesome to look at, but I think it also just goes to show how dangerous the life of a green lantern can be and what you really have to go. Because I don't think people always remember how dangerous being a Green Lantern can be, because all it is is being a cop just in space. And in space, obviously, there's a lot more high-tech weaponry and a lot more dangerous things than just a guy with a gun or a knife. And I'm not belittling, belittling police officers at all. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying it's a grander scale. Right, exactly. And speaking of Sinestro's introduction, I loved it how my man Kilowog was automatically opposed to the guy. Just the concept of Kilowog being able to pick up 
uh, that Sinestro is bad news waiting to happen just proves how awesome he is. Because he's got incredible insight there, Michael. Yes. Yes, yeah. he does. Yeah. Although, you know, he is kind of a hard case in general, so... Yes. It could have just been that. <laughs> well, and also there's that little good laugh he gave us out of that gag where he swooped in and chugged down the pina colada. I always about to serve Sinestro. Yes, that was great. That I, I love that. I thought that was hilarious. Pina colada. I thought of that sock. In the rain. It's funny how Sinestro was like, this should be a, a vacation. Got the interceptor. Kilowog's like, well, it is to me. And he swoops in and tricks that. All right. All right. Fanterns. Fanterns, new, uh, new art project for you. Everyone go draw some uh, interceptor vacation scene with Sinestro, Hal, Aya, Razor, and Kilowog. And St. Walker playing the banjo. I thought that was kind of uh, degrading to Aya to make her like their waitress. I don't think it was a degrading as it was more her trying to welcome Sinestro and get on her on his good side. Yeah. But because actually, because they wouldn't do that with like St. Walker or anyone else they brought on the Interceptor. Yeah. And honestly, he was quite respectful of Aya. Which is shocking. It was interesting. I didn't think that's where they were going to go, but. Well, that may come into play on something. I could see him trying to manipulate her in an episode. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think he'd appreciate a robot being a Green Lantern, much like the Hunters. He would think. Right, but then we knew that the Green Lanterns have also been up to something regarding her. So maybe I don't know. Her and Lamos. Yeah. But again, she is kind of rebelling against the Green Lantern Corps because yeah. she's going beyond her programming. And he might respect that a little bit. But is that really going... But is that really disrespecting the Green Lantern Corps? Because she's trying to help. It's it's not like in Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, where Cameron was reprogrammed. Yeah. And goes against what the what Skynet stood for. It's not, it's not like that at all. It's more of, I'm helping, but I'm in control, and you're not. Yeah. And another thing about Kellogg's awesomeness to this episode is that he was the guy who immediately uh, knew, noticed something was off when this episode turned into the Green Lantern version of the movie John Carpenter's The Thing or that season one episode of X-Files where Mulder and Scully go to the Antarctica. And Scully never sees the spaceship. Yeah. Every single time. Yes. Now, I, I don't know if you guys, how, how many of you guys have seen that X-Files episode or Jared Carpenter's The Thing. Basically, the premise is it's people that get end up in a confined area in Antarctica, and somehow they get a hold of this alien, and this alien possesses all the people in the confined area, and they basically... Start killing each killing, other. Killing each other. So that's what happened here, but there wasn't the killing. Although there very well could have been. If, if the thing hadn't... You know, been just laser blasting and really bad boo boos. Yes. And honestly, I thought it was the weapon that was controlling the people because it fired out yellow laser blasts. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Because I remember that one where Kilowog was loony. Yep. Kind of crazy because of that crown. 
All right. So, I mean, Michael, what was your thoughts on Kellogg's and his role in this episode? Do you think it was funny? Did you like it that he was the one who kind of first picked up something was wrong? It worked. I yeah. thought it worked. Well, one of the scenes, and, and we could discuss this a little bit here, um, that I thought really captured the creepiness of a sci-fi horror movie like The Thing was when the alien-possessed Razor tried to put the moves on Aya. If mind control wasn't involved here, the shippers, including yourself, Michael, probably would have been rejoicing. But the whole time, I thought something horrific was going to happen to the poor robot girl. Yeah. Because, really, when it comes to robots, you can get away with pretty much anything on a kid's show. And, really, they kind of pushed the envelope for the kiddies to this scene. With, Ra- with Aya asking Razor questions like, why are you adjusting my helmet? So, I don't know, Michael, we've kind of made this joke last week with Young Justice about the drama and the, the sexual tension going on here. But uh, do you think this is a little too much glee for a Saturday morning cartoon show? <laughs> a cartoon network? Not as much as last week's Young Justice, so I'm letting it slide. <laughs> so so I, I think that is, you could look past it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can look past it. I'm just like, what are they doing here? I never remember the shows I watch it. I watched as a kid being that blatant about it. Yeah, they are. If you rewatch them, trust me, they are. Like yeah. Batman the Animated Series, it's pretty bad. <laughs> well, it's continued. This is one of the worst ones I've seen. But I guess, I guess they're figuring that the older audience is watching it now, especially with the number of people that were involved with the protest where people around our age are a little bit older. Yeah. So I think they figured, okay, we know what our audience is, so we're just going to write to them. The funny thing, too, is that some kids were even protesting. So good for them. Yeah, go kids. Go kids. They want more creepiness? No. But now, Not all creepy. But now they should start protesting for Green Lantern and the animated series toys. Because yes. those have been made, they just never released them. Oh, that's terrible. With the Interceptor ship and everything. I'm like, dang it. Oh. I want one. I know. Must want one. I also want Mount Justice, but it's been blown up. Right. Well, and and there's a little bit more with this guy and Razor thing about the end of the episode. So we'll continue on that, and that's less creepy. That's more of a natural, normal thing that we're going to expect here. But here, I mean, I really thought something bad was going to happen to her. Like, Like I was envisioning Atrocitus disassembling her. Do you remember that episode? Oh. We like yeah. ripped our arm off. Oh, that was horrible. Oh. That was unbearable. God, I know it's a robot, but still. Well, I think something even worse is going to happen because I've seen previews for new episodes. It oh, looks no. like her body might be destroyed. Oh, no. It's like the brave little toaster all over again when he gets smashed. Yeah. I hated that movie, the end of it, because the toaster gets smashed. I think he survived somehow, but still. There was ugh, it's horrible. This is worse than the toaster. Because yeah. I like Aya better than the toaster. <laughs> no, I like the toaster. The toaster's good too. Go watch Brave Little Toaster with your kids, guys. Yes, John Lasseter is one of his first directed films. 
There you go. We did Toy Story as well. That's why the Toy oh, Story yeah, that's 3. That's right. He directed Toy Story too. That's why Toy Story 3 ended the way Toy Story 3 kind of ended. Got the junkyard and everything. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense now. Throwback. All right. Well, I can't believe they went for a Toy Story 3, but it turned out well, so I'm happy. Well, back to this CGI endeavor. Um, Sinestro, his, his role in this episode was different than I thought it would go. Um, I thought the writers were going to make Sinestro uh, just look like a good guy in this episode, leaving his whole expulsion from the Green Lantern Corps and descent into villainy for another episode. Hope that wasn't a spoiler for you guys. <laughs> and the reason why... He's generally in a yellow jumpsuit. I think everyone knows that. But if you don't, I thought they might have done this to make it more shocking for newcomer fans. Kind of like what Bruce Tim, Bruce Tim did for me with Harvey Dent got Batman the Animated Series with the episodes Pretty Poison and the two-parter and the two-parter Two-Face. Wasn't that a three-parter? No, it was a two-parter. It's a two-parter. Okay. Yeah, it just trust me. Okay. And yes, I know I did not know that Harvey Dent was Two-Face at one point in my life. I was six. But I was going to say, but you were really young, so yeah, you get away with it. Don't come after me, so... I thought they were going to do this for the six-year-olds. That didn't happen. Although right. it is a two-parter. Yes. Although, oh. <laughs> okay. Go. Although I think showing that Sinestro is evil by killing the mind-controlling alien was a far better way to go. As Ron Perlman, who many of you DC animated fans know for playing Clayface on Batman the Animated Series, slayed on Teen Titans. And Hellboy himself plays a great villain who thinks he's a good guy, but is going about the totally wrong way on the TV series that I enjoy watching and I've covered on ATA, Sons of Anarchy. So if he's that good on this show, if he's that good on that show, why not give him the opportunity to let loose with another equally as great performance here on Green Lantern, the animated series? So Michael, what do you think about the way Sinestro was used portrayed in this episode? Did you like the choice of Ron Perlman as the voice actor? I love the choices of Ron Perlman as the actor because I thought it gave a really, really clean and cut feel to Sinestro. Yes. While at the same time masking the fact that he's not such a good guy. Yes. I don't really know how to explain it, but it's the thing with his voice that he does. Yes. You just feel like you can trust him and respect him, and he's on your side. But at the same time, you're not so sure about him. Yes, and he does this so well week after week on the show Sons of Anarchy. So somebody, John Carlo or somebody, must have been watching him on that show. Or they just knew him from playing Clayface as well. But he does it so well on that show. It was genius to have him be Sinestro. Yeah, so, I mean, I really liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought... um I thought him being what we thought was a hero and then turning out to not being a being more of an anti-hero, I thought that was interesting because I didn't expect it. Yeah, the whole murder thing, that was kind of on the yeah. level of police procedure kind of thing. Yeah. That's how he pulled that one off, yeah. Because you're like, why didn't he take off the vent in the, um, the cell? And you're like, oh, okay. And then when he explained what he did to let the air out of the ship, you're like, oh, okay, that's what he did. 
And then they went back on it by saying he let the the air out of the cell too. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. But also really was hurtful to hell. Um, because, I mean, hell promised the guy that he would be okay, and he went back on his word. Because we know that bothers Hal George. Hal didn't go back on his word. Well, I, I meant I meant Sinestro made it look like Hal went back on his word. Oh, gotcha. And that yeah. ticked him off. Yes. Thank Absolutely. you for making me clarify. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I liked it a lot. I thought it was good touch. And I can't wait to see more from him because I know we're going to get some hopefully. Yeah. Is he going to be back next week? I don't know. It sounds like he's a reoccurring character and he didn't really leave the ship. So. Which I'm fine with. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, with the introduction of Sinestro successfully living up to the hype, at least in our book, there was one little thing that bothered me about this episode. And that was the writers kind of like going back on all the Kilowog offs of this that I prayed earlier in the discussion. First, even though it was established he knew something was wrong, Kilowog ended up easily falling for the Possessed Hale's trap. And second, Kilowog was the first person to dismiss the notion that Sinestro killed the mind-possessing alien, despite starting off the episode suspicious of this guy. Michael, did you notice Kilowog's character pulling these complete 180s in this episode? Could it bother you too as well? The the one where he fell for Hal's trap didn't bother me. Okay. Because, quite honestly, I just didn't realize it. Okay. And I was like, okay, it is what it is. But it did bother me at the end where he was kind of okay with Sinestro killing the, uh, the alien. That did bother me. Okay, good. So it wasn't my I love Kilowog blinders working. You picked up on that as well. Yep. Okay. Um, I mean, reason why you think they did that? I don't know if they even... Well, Notice. because it's never really said out loud that Sinestro killed him. Sinestro okay. just gives a reason. And I think, really, Kilowog at that point was so just ticked off with what went on that he just accepted it. And there wasn't really time left in the episode to get into a whole argument as well. But that might be coming next episode. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's still time. The story's not over. So maybe this little blip here will be able to work out at the end that Cal and Kilowog are kind of both on the same page. Like, something's weird here with Sinestro. But we didn't want to call him out on it right there because we didn't need any more conflict after what already happened. Right. And really, Kilowog's character wasn't the focus of this episode. It was Sinestro. So in that regard, I felt this was yet another outstanding episode. But very different than something like what we got from Blue Hope or Steam Lantern. Yeah. As it really ended on a very depressing note. With, I mean, obviously, Cal realizing the heroic Green Lantern, he idolizes not what he's cracked up to be. And then Aya giving Razor this total burn for constantly blowing off her romantic advances. Mm-hmm. By, you know, obviously saying she knew Razor was possessed by the aliens. That possessed by the alien because he would have never put the moves on her 
in such a flirtatious way. So, Michael, what was the thoughts on, what was your thoughts on these two, like depressing um, plot endings for this episode? Yeah, it was kind of, um, it was kind of a depressing way to end it. Although, it really made me look forward more. Yeah more than anything so i mean yes i didn't feel like it was a complete episode if that makes sense but at the same time it just made me look forward to this coming saturday more it definitely made you anxious yeah and now with what's going to happen to aya i'm really anxious to see where it's going to go absolutely because i mean if she's honestly going to get completely destroyed like you said like razor is going to go crazy I don't know if she'll get completely destroyed. I think her body will. Okay. But it's still shocking enough that he's going to blow up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm assuming that's what's going to happen. Yes. And, and of course, the Sinestro thing, it's always got us excited. I mean, we've been excited before it. I want to see Abin Seer now that Sinestro's in the picture. And maybe there'll be like a flashback episode or something come down um, the path soon with that mm-hmm. I just I don't want to do an origin story episode no I, I don't necessarily either but I would like to see a flashback episode where Sinestro talks about his time with Abin Sir that would be interesting like that I think could be really cool as they start hinting towards maybe something called the blackest night yep that would be interesting because I would like to see an undead Avenger like we see in the comics. Well, and also they may have... Sinestro may have history with Atrocitus if he's going to be in that episode. Right. Because in the comics, Atrocitus did kill Avenger. I don't know if they'll go that route this time because it seems like Atrocitus' origin in the show is different. But it would be interesting to see if he had any history at all. Yeah. Definitely, and how much Evan Sir knew. Yeah, about definitely. what they're doing because we do know that the little blue swerves, though it is the Guardians, are up to something. Like they always are. Yes. So, I mean, I think that's it for Green Lantern today. Good discussion. We're excited about it, and that sums it up. Yep. All right. Well, moving out of the DC Nation shorts. Now, it's a brand new superhero short on DC Nation. Batman to Shanghai Bane. Wow. Yeah, wow was right. Uh, last week, we praised the animation in the first Batman to Shanghai short featuring Catwoman. But I think this week's short featuring Bane continued to escalate its stylistic quality with a very impressive sequence of Bane bulking up and the character being designed in a way that he could move like a Kung Fu master while being incredibly ripped. And this especially went for when he was able to roll up into a ball moving at high speeds because it made the Dark Knight Rises version of Bane look like a British weenie waiting for tea time. (laughs) Wow. And you even liked that version of Bane. Yeah, but as I've watched the movie a couple times now, now they own it Yeah, it's not as good as it was the first few times in the theater. Yeah, he's kind of coming across a little silly. But speaking of movies, I did love the little nod they gave in the short to King Kong with Bane climbing the tallest tower in Shanghai. Yes. Overlooking the city. 
that was an unbelievable panoramic shot that they did there. That was awesome. Yes. So what's your thoughts, Michael? I really liked it. I I was I thought at the end of the short we would end up seeing Batman. Yeah. Just show up and be ready for Bane, but we didn't. So I was fine with that. But I think we will see him next time. But I look forward to seeing Bane fight Catwoman. Because that yeah. is going to be awesome. It looks really, really cool. Cause the way he like landed in front of her was awesome. Right. Because we've both seen them fight regular people at this yeah. point. But we have not seen them fight each other, and it looks like they're skilled enough to take each other on and both survive. Yeah. So I really, like we said last week, this really should be its own series. This is, like, awesome. Yeah. It's like kung fu battles combined with superhero fights. Yeah. It's it's pretty sweet. I'm telling you, DC animated DVD film. I agree. I want to see it. Because this is, wow. I agree with you. And I'm really fired up with this series of shorts. And I really can't wait to see. Yeah, the shorts are getting a lot better. Yes, yes especially this one. I mean, the, the animation was breathtaking here. And I can't wait to see what this breathtaking animation is going to look like when Batman's introduced next week. That is the next short is Batman in Shanghai. Batman. Yeah. So, awesome. oh. And we're going to get a darn good fight there. Uh, yes, sir. And it could even be longer than the normal two to three minutes they give these shorts. Yeah, that would, that would be nice. All uh, right. Like, I could do a whole half hour episode. Exactly. Like, just add them all together and show them all once. I'm fine with me, that. Me too. Just extend it to half hour. But I don't know if you want to see this next one for a whole half hour. <laughs> it is a little interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I think it's a good idea. To attract new um, audience members of the show, and and I think girls need a cool hero too. And I think Cartoon Network's got the right idea of how to do that. But this short kind of proved that maybe women should do this instead of uh, perverted men, maybe. Because <laughs> that's who wrote this. Because uh, this was a, at this level three was a very very random encounter. And I'm kind of just going to make a rant about it right now. I just want to know what's up with all the creeper seeds of this week's DC Nation. Because this short, it started out in an innocent TVY7 fashion with Amethyst getting sneezed on by a snot creature fought little kitty bathroom humor cool. So naturally, I mean, she did what anyone would do after being covered in mucus. Take a bath. With this being a fantasy world, the only place to really do that is Gay Streamer or Lake. Okay. And then things got weird. Because once Amethyst jumps into the water, this weird cartoon face appears on one of the trees. And he starts checking her out, telling the poor girl how beautiful she is. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, but however, before we are able to recollect... How disturbing this is. A giant bug monster attacks Amethyst. Okay, we get a pretty decent fight. Some cool animation. I mean, this cool little underwater thing for this short. Enough to just get you excited and keep us guys just interested for a little bit before we get to Young Justice. But then, instead of ending the short with just Amethyst defeating the creature and moving on, 
The writer of this short could not let us look past the creeper thing. Because the tree tells Amethyst how beautiful she is again. Leaving me utterly disturbed. Go ahead. So she's like half naked for part of it. Yeah. It's like, really? (laughs) What's up with the trees here? Just, ugh. That's weird. And people on YouTube also commented about this as well. Because, of course, we, you know, add the shorts to put in our ACC feed during this podcast. And all it up and down YouTube. The statements were, I felt awkward watching this. This was creepy. This was disturbing. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at some of them right now, and I'm seeing that. Yeah. So it's kind of bad. The general consensus. And really, this made me just have these horrible flashbacks back to the original Evil Dead. It's a film directed by Sam Raimi. It's, in fact, Sam Raimi's first movie. And he basically has this really awkward scene in it. And I think it's an extended cut of the movie. I don't think it's in the regular cut. But a girl gets, like, sexually assaulted by a tree. What? In this movie, yes. And it's really odd and creepy. And so, like, because that scene disturbed me, and then I saw this, it was just even worse. It was over for me. I was just like, oh, forget this. I I can't even know. I, oh. No. I'm sorry. I mean, this is, what were they thinking here? I, I cannot believe the censors weren't like, uh, what is this? But again, maybe, I don't know, anime fans like this stuff. Maybe anime fans are into this. So if this fits the humor, more power to you, I guess. But this was kind of pushing it. Yeah. I think really they need to go next week to do like a, like almost like a Legend of Zelda thing. Like have her go into some kind of temple and fight some monster and get some crystal to, you know, get out of the temple kind of thing. I just think that's much more interesting than these weird talking trees. I agree. Do you have anything more to say that other then you probably wanted to take a bath after it was over? Uh, no, but I want to take another one, so. Yeah, okay. I'm going to probably go now, and I'll talk to you later. Yeah, get the brush and clean off. I'll, I'll talk to you at the Young Justice <laughs> section. All right, well, let's go there now. Let's let's take that bath. Hot water, there's some bubble bath. Rubber ducky, you're the one. It's okay, just had to throw that in there. We had our burn and earning moment now. <coughs> A harmless kid show. Okay, now we're going to talk about Young Justice Invasion with the episode True Colors. Blue Beetle's enemy, the Reach, join forces with LexCorp, and Robin takes a team undercover to investigate the new alliance. This week's episode of Young Justice Invasion was pretty straightforward as it basically sprinkled little hints that Aqualad and Artemis could be found out as double agents. Sprinkled in between a giant fight scene with Black Beetle that ended with two huge revelations. However, surprisingly, these revelations had nothing to do with Miss Martian flooding Superboy into her apartment at the end of last week's episode, or Megan letting the cat out of the bag about Nightwing's secret plans. Um, Michael, were you disappointed that we didn't see the progression on this front? And did you consider it to be dropping the ball on the writer's part? Because last week we were complaining that this show really needs to move along with it having that obnoxious hiatus. Yeah, I was upset. I They really should have continued. I don't know what the issue was. I don't know if it was an actor issue or 
they just wanted to wait another week. I don't know, but I, I think we're done waiting. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, and this is not the Young Justice's writer, writers at, at all. It's not their fault Darn at all. I mean, Cartoon Network. Unfortunately, these episodes were written to be released months ago. Yeah. All at once. And if that were the case, then I don't think I would have had a problem. But because Cartoon Network screwed up their schedule, I have an issue. Do we lost our momentum. Yeah. Yep. Because this would have been fine as a standalone episode, I think, without that. Just people, be patient, please. Hopefully they can get this all back lined up again. For Cartoon Network, get them the bloody opportunity. But normally when these things happen for a show, it never ends pretty. Mm-hmm. Keep your fingers crossed, folks. Get protesting still. That's all I've got to say. Yeah. But uh, moving into the episode, it started like the old 1950s sci-fi movie. Um, I think Fantastic Voyage is it's called. Or the old ride at Disney's Epcot called Body Wars. As the Adam and Bumblebee went inside Jamie's body to remove the scarab that he's got, you know, attached to his spine. But when they tried to perform surgery, it kept replicating itself. Although what caught my attention to this scene above the scarab was the interaction between the Adam and Bumblebee. Because it was made very clear here that my prediction last week, uh, basically through the dialogue, the way that Bumblebee grabbed Ray's hand to pull them out of Jamie's body, that there's an attraction between the two of them. Leading us to yet another creeper seed for this week's DC Nation. Yeah. But actually, this wasn't as bad. It wasn't a tree. No. It wasn't some creeper controller alien. Um, It was Ray Palmer. And I think this version of Ray Palmer is much closer in age uh, compared to Amethyst the Tree. But... (laughs) Yeah. And that's the last we're going to talk about that. But with this Adam-Bumblebee relationship being addressed, I thought we were going to get more with Mel Duncan's drama uh, of Bumblebee, who's supposed to be his girlfriend, constantly blowing him off. Or that the whole episode was going to focus on the love triangle set up by this scene. So, Michael, uh, what did you make of this interaction between Adam and Bumblebee? But also, were you concerned that they and their Glee-style conflict, guess that's what we're going to call teenage drama now, thanks to you, Wukim, um, did you think that this style conflict uh, with Mal was going to be the focus of this episode? Uh, I didn't think it would be the focus of the episode, but it was kind of annoying. And yeah. quite honestly, I didn't really need it. Yeah, yeah. It was I don't know irritating. It still was. I, I I don't know why they're so hell-bent on this, throwing this in the story. We need an importance to it soon, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, at least I, it was only five I don't minutes. know how you can make it important, quite honestly. Yeah, we're kind of at that point now, aren't we? Yeah, we kind of are. Well, and then there was no Mal even in the episode, so it was just like, okay, Adam's here, yay. But really, what? I mean, I don't know. Go go, go back mind. and get lost Just, in the jungle. Let's keep going. Go back and get lost in the jungle. It's more interesting there. <laughs> Beat me up, Scotty. Anyway, moving on, I'm just glad that they stayed away from this side story. Because as we said last week, 
I mean, we found Mal and Bumblebee's relationship completely unimportant. So for the ending of that, um, we're going to move on to our next top story in world news. G. Gordon Gottfried is still Uh-oh. complaining. And in this week's rant, he used the word meanwhile. And I yelled at my TV when he said this, that you can't use that. It's announcer man's word. <laughs> Much appreciated, Dan. Thank you, announcer man. Kind of like, you no, can't say that. Well, what is that? I mean, come on, G. Gordon. Get with the program. I don't I don't know. That, Madeline yelled at him again. Gosh, she did. My eight-year-old sister yelled at him once again. Will this guy not shut up? <laughs> it's hilarious. She can't st- because by the time I get downstairs at nine o'clock to watch DC Nation, they're already downstairs. My two sisters watching TV, but they know not to mess with me and my DC Nation. So they hand me the remote when it comes to nine o'clock. Nice. And then they just sit there and watch. Yeah. And then she just yells at this guy because he's so stupid and she knows it. I'd love to see a recording of your sister fighting with G. Gordon Godfrey on the TV. That could be really funny. Move over, Lois Lane. We've got Madeline Petty on the loose. Yes. Yeah, so they gave your sister a shout-out on the podcast. How about that? There we go. And then as I called down, and Michael's sister called down about Godfrey stealing Michael's thunder, I realized that the people of this universe's Earth are complete idiots to believe that Lex Luthor and the Reach are going to improve the world's art culture. When Lex and their ambassador share the same appearance of a menacing, maniacal, bald man. <laughs> I, did you see the resemblance? Yeah, a little bit. They look similar, and I'm like not going to trust an alien that looks like Lex Luthor. I'm sorry. Or a human that looks like Lex Luthor. Uh, yes, right. Oh, wait, that's Lex Luthor. Wow, oh, yeah. Wait, he's from Earth? Really? Unfortunately, yes. He might have come out of uh, the pit at the bottom yeah. of the center of the earth, though. We don't know for sure. They could have him back. <laughs> Superman, take it back. Come on. Wait, Superman's so off earth. I don't know. Oh, that's a bummer. It is a bummer. Yes. He needs to, they need to get back soon because things are going to hell and they're going to be so ticked. I know. That's why you need Batman. But he's gone too. <laughs> no, Batman on Earth, you're in trouble. I don't know. Batman Maybe should have done what he did Batman with the, for a while. Batman should have done what he did on Justice League, where he's like, "I'm not gonna go and turn myself in." Are you kidding me? Exactly. Screw that. <laughs> just Bat- watch. Batmobile lost a wheel. Just watch. Batman didn't really turn himself in. He's been in hiding the whole time. That would be awesome. <laughs> And it was like some random shapeshifter, like Metamorpho or someone. Like, like Nightwing just sitting there, like feeling all guilty about what happened. Because Bat was like, "I know what you did, Nightwing." He's like, "Whoa!" And he what starts are you even screaming. Doing here? That'd be great. Oh yeah, that's crazy. Well, the Justice fanfic right there. Cool. Speaking of sneaking up on people, um, in this episode, we went to everyone's favorite small town, known for its creepers. Stalker and meteor freaks. 
and conspiracies. Smallville. <laughs> Somebody save me. From the Black Beetle. Because that's kind of what happened here. Yes, and this place now houses Luther's new articulture facility. Oh, boy. Here we go again. It's a Luther court plant. Or I mean, next one. court plant. Not another one. <laughs> Can't have enough. I, I know. And so this time, instead of a Smallville High field trip, a young justice team made up of Impulse, Blue Beetle, Robin, and Arsenal, otherwise known as the real Roy Harper, with the robotic arm. He was gone for like six episodes. Yes, I got a haircut. So we could tell the difference between him and his clone. Nice. That was smart. Good job on the animator's part. Yeah. Because the kids would have gotten confused. And yeah, they went into this place to do something about it. Well, not really do something about it, to check out what was going on. And then Arsenal decided to do something about it. So on that topic, uh, Michael, did you like the use of Arsenal in this episode? I liked him until he did something stupid. Yes. And that was mainly because I thought and I hoped that maybe Arsenal and Red Arrow would be different and maybe they wouldn't be as hot-headed as each other. And I was proven wrong, unfortunately. Well, honestly, I would think Red Arrow is different now. Well, he is different now, yes. I think he learned but, his lesson, yeah. But until the beginning of this season, until the beginning of Invasion, like the fifth episode in, he was the exact same as Arsenal. Yeah. And and now we've got a switch. Right. And I'm kind of sick of seeing this character over and over and over again because he just gets in the way and he continues to do, not go with the flow. Yeah, and, and and that's the other thing is I think one of these are going to get one of these Roy Harpers are going to get killed. And I hope it's Arsenal, but yeah. I think it's going to be Red Arrow, and he's going to tell Arsenal to look after Lion. Yep. Unfortunately, that's how I think it's going to go, well, but I really hope dramatic. it's Arsenal who dies. Yeah, it's more dramatic. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good prediction, but kind of stakes. Yeah. Poor Green Arrow. Oh, that's going to be crappy. Yeah, it's going to be even worse than when we found out that he was a clone. Yes. Ah, uh, cloning. Just mess with... The, mess the with wonders of cloning. With superheroes' minds. Well, technically, Lion is Arsenal's daughter as well. Yeah. Biologically, so, you know. Well, even though Arsenal, I mean, was a complete idiot in this episode, and you didn't like what he did, I did think it was used to great effect story-wise. Because the arm? Uh, well, with him blowing up the facility. Yeah. Or trying to blow up the facility. Because I thought it set up the action in a much more complicated way. Because normally when they do these stealth missions, somebody, in this case it probably would have been Impulse, like would have knocked something over. Because yeah. that would have alerted the bad guys. Because then everyone would have come raining down on them. Because yep. you see that all the time. That's stupid. Like, you know, don't... I'm glad they didn't do that. It was more just him being rash. Arsenal being rash, and that brought Black Beetle and the bad guys raining down on them. And I also thought it set up a pretty solid character conflict for Robin, revolving around like this lack of confidence. He has it himself, which is different than in the comic books, but we needed a difference between him and Nightwing for this show since they're both a part of it. 
Well, and I think it worked. Even I mean, yeah. yes, in Batman the Animated Series, Tim was very confident. Yes, in the comics, he's very confident. But him questioning himself in this continuity, I think, is partially due to Jason Todd's death, first of all. Yes. And second of all, due to Nightwing being the field leader and wanting to protect him and baby him in a way all the time. Yeah. And I Nightwing giving him the opportunity to be field leader on this mission not only helped him and will help him in the future, but I think it also, like you said, really goes to um, help resolve his lack of confidence. But I think his confidence will rise when he discovers that he's the good kid when Batman comes back. Yeah. Dick, what did you do? I'm good. I'm good. Tim in the background, I'm okay. I didn't do it. Not me. This guy. <laughs> but I did like how Tim disappeared from the group. Yes. Got the stuff and came back a lot like Dick did all the time in season one and did that laugh thing. That was great. Yeah, it's a cool throwback. I like that. I miss Robin doing that. Because at this so. point in the season, I'm really missing the old team. Yeah, me and too. I, and I'm glad this new team, although it's, it is new, it felt a lot like the old team well these characters these four in particular are a really good team yeah absolutely absolutely yeah and, and wonder girl i think you could have added into this episode yeah i, I think I so know she is at this point but i mean you could add her yeah, in i think it would work she's off working for nickelodeon being the voice of april o'neill on the new ninja turtle show oh see that would be an issue yeah it would so. Well, I think also, I think if she would have been in this episode, you could have, uh, you know, had that whole Tim Drake, Cassandra, and what, Drake arc? What is I, her last name? I don't know her last name. Uh, Sam? Sam Mark, yeah. yeah. I think that would have been too much for this episode with what they needed to cover with Beetle flirt- and stuff. You could add flirting. Well, actually, if you would have cut out the Bumblebee Adam stuff, you would have had time for it. Yeah. I agree. Yep. You would have. Um, but jumping back to, or jumping on, I guess, to alter, other alternate scenes. While this fight with Black Beetles going on, God, Sportsmaster, who we haven't seen in a while, yeah. returns, okay, confronts the light, asking if they will let him kill Aqualad in retribution for murdering Artemis. But Vandal Savage... First voiced by the great Phil Morris. Yes, he's back on DC Nation for the second week in the row. Yeah. And Black Mana deny his request for introducing him to their new enforcer, Deathstroke. Who has this awesome ponytail. Uh, yes. Like, that is amazing. And I love his armor. Yes. And now Deathstroke is on Arrow and Young Justice. <laughs> yes. Still not as cool as when he was on Teen Titans, but you know he'll he'll get there. And the light certainly upgraded on their enforcer. Yeah, but that doesn't mean Sportsmaster doesn't have a few tricks, as he escapes in a helicopter, piloted by Cheshire. And this is where speculation began for me, Michael, and I want to hear your thoughts on this one. While flying away from the light's hideout, Sportsmaster brags to Cheshire about how he can kill Aqualad without ruining his honor. And Cheshire says nothing in response to this. Making me feel like Artemis told her sister 
that she was going undercover. Do you agree with me on that possibility, Michael? Or was that even Cheshire wearing that mask? <laughs> well. That's a possibility, too. Did she speak at all? Nope. Okay, then it's possible it's not her, but I think you're probably spot on. I think Artemis may have told Cheshire, because I think in the last five years, and I would only assume this because of her marriage to Red Arrow. Yeah. I think in the last five years, they've grown closer, yeah. and Cheshire, I think, is even a double agent herself. Interesting. Well, I feel like that Artemis so is it would work. Artemis is smart enough to have a backdoor strategy. After yeah. what happened in the first season, yeah, absolutely. Got yes. out that whole mole thing kind of backfired on her. So I think she's smarter than that. I think Wally's smarter than that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm glad, glad we're on the same page about that. That's kind of gotten me excited. And then on the other half of this whole double agent thing, we got another scene in this episode where Black Manta, yes, Michael, you can cringe now, can <laughs> list Simon to undo the damage that Miss Martian did to Aqualad's mind. And with this, I think one or two things could happen. Yes, it's what is your theory and another one I like a little bit better. One of the things is Simon could discover Aqualad as a bull for Young Justice, get rat him out. Or he could manipulate Aqualad's mind into thinking he's always been a bad guy. Where do you see it going, Michael? Well, you know, I always thought that he would probably make Aqualad a bad guy. Yeah. And I hate that so much, but I, I really too. hope it's the other, where he Rats discovers Aqualad small. But I really think... And honestly, I think if he discovers Aqualad is the mole, I think he will use that to manipulate Aqualad into doing what he wants in order to get back at Miss Martian. Oh, boy. I think that would be the better option than just ratting him out. Because what would he have to gain by that? Yeah. When he can get something from Aqualad, knowing that he's a double agent, he can get that revenge that he wanted. Yeah. Then I think that would work. This is getting kind of crazy here. For Miss Martian here. Yeah, she's kind of screwed either way. <laughs> yeah. So is Nightwing. Oh, yeah, so is Nightwing. Nightwing's and really screwed. So is Aqualad. What I'm hoping, if they do go the route of Aqualad getting turned evil for a while, I'm hoping the finale ends with Wally and Nightwing knocking some sense into him. And Superboy, that their friendship, that what happened in that first episode... Breaks him out of the funk. And maybe it will restore his memories? Yes. Because memories can't really be erased. They can only really be suppressed. Because basically, these are the first people that Superboy saw when he woke up. Yeah. No, I I was making a fringe reference. Yeah, Yeah, right. Yes, you're right. They're essentially his family. They're his first friends. And I think that's going to come into play and work this all out. Yeah. That would be good. Plus, Superboy and Aqualad always seem to be pretty tight. Yeah. Which is why I think Superboy is always so angry at Aqualad. And obviously he's angry angry at uh, Miss Martian, too, but that's for a different reason. He's going to be more angry at Nightwing. Let's just say 
Oh, he's going to have a big <laughs> flip out with Nightwing. It's not even going to be fun because what I think will happen is I think next episode will have the fallout of what happens between Megan and Connor in in, uh, Martian Manhunter's apartment, and then that will turn into Connor flipping out at Dick. Well, it's interesting that Connor may have a big conflict because they might have brought in a character perfectly to help Connor deal with that. Um, And that was that they brought Jonathan Kent into this episode. Yeah, thank God he's alive in this universe. He had a cameo, which was great, and that was very fun. God, it was a throwback to Smallville a little bit, because he's complaining about the Luthers putting people out of business. Yes. That was that was classic. God, then at the end with his bard and what he used it for. I mean, that bard's been through everything, so that Why was kind of fun. God, really, I think moments like this, and just where they're going... Uh, you know, Michael, you were saying before that the interaction between this new team is very well. Um, I think the best part of this is the friendship between Blue and Impulse. Yeah. Um, they're playing that up really, really well. God, People have made that really weird on the internet. Yeah, but I think it's more. It's becoming more fun to watch every week. Well, it's a, it's a great relation, a great friendship. I love it a lot, but I'm just saying some of the fans have made it awkward. Yes, darn you fans. Stop making it awkward. This is DC Nation, not DC Creep Fest. Exactly. This is for kids, guys. That's that's why people in trees are checking out girls with laser swords. Who are half naked. Because of this craziness. Stop. <laughs> think, think of Blue and Impulse's wacky podcast co-hosts like Michael and, and Wu. Not you and me? Well, maybe you and me, too. I don't know. I was going to say, this show, I mean, it kind of testifies for itself, buddy. (laughs) We don't give each other as much crap as Blue and Impulse. That's why I said you and Woo. That's true. That's true. But uh, I think it's more fun. It makes me chuckle. I like watching it. It's it's a lot of fun. But really, I think that got Jonathan Count. And then just Black Beetle being this really scary villain. Um, really saved this episode from feeling like filler like last week's showdown with Despero. Um, yeah. I thought this was a stronger episode because of that. God, really, I mean, Black Beetle, he's scary. I mean, uh, and and, I, and the way I described him here in the script is he basically displays every reason why Jamie is afraid of the scarab taking over him. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes him scary and in his voice. Well, well and then we see him we actually see him. Yes. Who he is underneath. Well, I was curious what and kind of alien he was underneath with the revelation we got brought up in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And really what made him really scary was, you know, him cornering the team. And then a green beetle shows up. And I thought he was evil. I know. So I went to the cliffhanger for the commercial. I was just like, oh my god, they're going to fight an army of armored aliens. <laughs> so I had this vision of like Young Justice charging towards all these multicolored, beetled, armored aliens, and I'm like, oh my god. And it, were you that freaked out too? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm afraid they were going to maybe rip Arsenal's robot arm off. I was afraid they made 
do something to impulse that it severs his connection to the speed force for a while and then capture Jamie. Yeah, but we kind of done the captured thing already. So I'm going, but that doesn't uh, mean anything. They still need him, so... Right. Well, anyway, our visions, or my vision, turned into a false alarm as the Green Beetle turned out to be an ally. But then when he was discovered from Mars, another crazy thought came to my mind. That honestly, Michael, it would turn the DC Universe upside down if introduced to mainstream continuity. So hopefully you're sitting down, Michael. Are you sitting down? I am sitting down. Because I'm going to throw this one at you. I think it might blow your mind. If the Reach sent a scarab to every planet that sustains life, like the Green Beetle explained, does that mean there could be an evil armored beetle out there from Thanagar? Krypton? Or even worse, Apocalypse? And could this be how Darkseid and G. Gordon Gottfried fits into this whole thing? That's kind of nuts. That, uh, that, that <laughs> would explain a lot. Wouldn't it? I would say probably spot on. I, I don't think Krypton, I think he can get away with Daxan, but I don't think Krypton's even part of the equation here. But, but Thanagar, Ran, uh, Mars, obviously. Crotolans. Crotolans. Um, who else could you get? Oh, I hope the little blue Smurfs don't have. Obviously, Eclipse and probably New Genesis. Um, Well, I don't know. High Fowler would probably destroy something if it came on New Genesis. But I'd like to see a Scarab-filled Parademon. That'd be kind of funny. Or somebody else has one. Darkseid, you think? No. Calabac? Somebody like that. Huh. The Sod. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's how they could get Darkseid in it. They promised him a scarab. That would be interesting. That would be very interesting. Or he wants a scarab. He would be interested in that. He'd want a weapon like that. You know that. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. It's interesting. Also, they introduced Brainiac in the comics. Yeah. Is he an alien? Is he from Kalu? Kalu, com- yeah, I think Kalu. so. Kalu. In the comics, the Jim Joseph's comics? Yeah, I believe so. Because he says he's from, because he says, like, in the Action Comics issue that Grant Morrison wrote, he says yeah. he's known as, uh, this from Kulu, he's known as Brainiac on Krypton, and now he's known as the Collector of Worlds on Earth. So, could a scarab end up there, too? On Brainiac? Or or on the planet Kalu and Brainiac's trying to get it. I don't, do we have enough episodes? I don't know. I don't know. I just... And this is episode 12, so... But the possibility with this scarab idea is endless. Yeah, that's true. And I think it's an outstanding idea. I really like it. Yeah. I mean, I know I felt like so much of the... Uh, Blue Beetle stuff is knocking off a Spider-Man and shoving it down our throats. But I really thought this was a great idea. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. I and agree with you. Who knows? Maybe the Reach just wants the scarabs so they can harvest people and eat them. Yeah. Well, I just like the Vs. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to say something about that real quick. But I also want to say real quick, 
with this idea, this this scarabs all around the universe idea, I think the scenes with Green Beetle training Jamie on how to keep the scarab from controlling him is going to be very interesting to watch. Yes, I, I, that will be very interesting. So now, do you think the Green Beetle? Do you think he's a Green Martian, a White Martian, or a Red Martian? I'm pretty sure he's a Green. Okay, I'm assuming that too, just because he's green. But you know, Jamie's not blue, so. And I have a feeling that's going to have some relevance to Megan's plotline as well, with him being a Martian. Don't you think? Possibly, yeah. I think there's an intention to that. Oh, Martians love story. TV. Right, exactly. So interesting, but I'd be terrified of an evil Kryptonian having a scarab. That's uh, yeah. scary. Please don't give General Zob a scarab. Oh my. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that would be. You would need the Justice League back. You need everybody. You would need everybody. Exactly. Infinite Crisis 2. Who? Yes. But speaking Who? of. The Legion? The, you need everybody. Be Infinite Crisis 2. Yes. Well. I like that. Anyway, as you mentioned that if you think that the Reacher carves thing people to eat them, it's very possible because the reach of the visitors from the short-lived ABC show V. Which is based off of an old show from the 80s. On NBC, that was also short-lived, have something in common. As they revealed to Lex Luthor that they have contaminated the products we could buy at the supermarket for some evil purpose that has to do with implanting metagenes in teenagers to form a young injustice team. And with that, Michael, we're going to wrap things up with with me asking you where you foresee things going with the light and the reaches dastardly plants. Is a young justice, is a young injustice team what they're working towards? I think you're Pretty much exactly right. I think Apache Chief, Static, all these people, very much like uh, that story arc, the Dark Side Club arc from the Teen Titans book before the New 52. Yeah. I think they'll end up doing something very much like that, where they're going to probably want all these power or, or people who they gave powers to in one cage, and then the Young Justice team in another, and just have them go at it. But Obviously, why to cause distraction? them, but, but but why to cause a distraction so the Reach could do whatever evil thing they want to do? Either that or just to kill them, just to get get them out of the way. Yeah, that's true. Could be one or the other. But I, bet, I can. Well, I bet the Joker's ticked off that they stole his idea. <laughs> I'm just zero market products. It's like Lexi Poo. That's my idea. What the heck? <laughs> no, he wouldn't say it like that. He'd say, Lexi food. That's my idea. Yes. Because it's weird goth joke. <laughs> yes. That weird faceless joker. Ooh. Yeah. Talk about creepy. Or no Oberon Sexton. Right. Well, with that, I'm just glad we're on the same page. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Good deal. Great deal. So glad we're on the same page as predictions. This is the episode of Young Justice. Yes, still but slow, but it's getting us to look forward 
to some stuff ahead. So hopefully they'll start taking things up a notch next week because it needs to get a boost. All right. Yeah. So with that, we're going to move on to Smallville Season 11, issue number 30, to title Haunted Chapter 5. The battle for control of Lex's mind heats up. He threatens Tess to make her go away. He's willing to do something horrific to himself. Meanwhile, in Star Labs, Superman and Bart meet to further investigation. No, to further investigate the terrifying apparition that's haunting Bart when he enters hyperspeed. All right, Michael, I need your Smallville title encyclopedia here. Because the opening of this reminded me of that episode with Lex in the um, Rose Garden, where all the roses died and turned to black. Are you talking about... um, Where he sees himself as president for the first time? It's season one. Season one. Uh, Let me think. Let me think. You know, the one where he's like standing in the Oval Office? Yeah. Um, crap. What is that episode called? That's one with Cassandra Carver. Yes. Um, I would say the episode is Hourglass. Yes, that's probably yes, that's right. Well, that reminded me of this. This was a. I think, like, maybe a step two to that. Yeah. Of course, sequel vision, when we went back inside of Lex's mind um, and saw the whole world destroyed. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. Either this is a look to where uh, things may end for Smallville Season 11 or a future story that Brian set up. Or this is just another look at the future beyond him destroying everything. Or this is a look at that same future. What, you're talking about him with Tess? Yes. And him looking out over a destroyed city in his mind. Man, it's not like... um in season seven where he went into his mind in the first place. Cause we know you're they're using the same technology yeah. at this point. Lex has embraced his evil destiny. So I would assume because remember on fracture, when they used that technology for the first time, Lex was wearing that white suit in his mind. Yes. I'd assume because he's already embraced that. And the little kid, he killed the little version of himself yeah. that tethered him to reality. I, I just assume that that's him. So the Rose Garden. Um, so the Rose Garden may have manifested itself into actual buildings and things like that because of he embracing, because he embraced it as evil destiny. Yeah. Okay. I mean, doesn't because I mean, obviously, rose gardens are a lot different than cities. Yes. And you do see the Terminator through your eyes, the machines clip of all the cities being nuked yeah. in um, Scare. 
Right. So, so this might be a precursor to what's coming on with this so-called infinite crisis in the Smallville universe. That may have something to do with that. Yeah. All right. So then we move on, and Lex is... Uh, he gets out of the machine. The machine, what's the episode again? The season seven Fracture. Where Clark went inside. Lex is mine. And so that's going on. And Lex is like, we're going to do a procedure tomorrow. Yeah. We're going to end this. Not good. And then we jump to Star Labs. Nice little statue of Virgil Swan in front. I love that. Nice throwback there to Christopher Reeves. Great job on that, Brian. And then uh, Emil's like, we've called everyone back to work. And he complains about how he doesn't have plans. Poor Emil. That's not cool. After Tess died, he's no one to be with anymore. Right. I know, it's it's sad. It's a really sad thing. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully they can get Tess out of Lex, though. They can take out. And I'm surprised that he has not been contacted by Tess during the points where she's taken over Lex's body. Because she didn't try to get a hold of Oliver without her. But she never really had the opportunity. I mean, in Guardian, yes, but I don't think she had enough control yet at that point. Okay. Remember, the only time she really could control while he was awake was when she wrote the note to Lois. Right. And then he starts talking about how, Camille starts talking about how Clark's, I mean, Bart's having issues with the speed force. And that's going on. And it's funny how one of the guys mentioned something that maybe Bart's problems is coming from the apes. Which is great. That was funny. Because I know Brian has this strong desire for Gorilla Grodd to be in a one of his comic books. It's going in a Smallville story. So he keeps mentioning apes in hopes that will happen. So that made me laugh. I, I, I would assume after Effigy is done, his next parallel story might be about Bart and Gorilla Grodd. He's desperate for it. He wants, wants a Gorilla Grodd story. Give, give him a Gorilla Grodd story there, DC. Come on. Yeah, I mean, Barry's almost done with Gorilla Grodd in his flashbook, so once he's done. Yes. And then they mentioned something here about um, technology from the Henshaw incident. I, I'd assume you're just talking about the drones, right? Yes, and it's that mentioning the idea that there are drones helping build the watchtower on the like, moon, like we saw in F3. Yeah. Is that what he's talking about? Yeah. Okay. Just curious. Well, I mean, effigy is happening at the same time Haunted is. Right. So, I'd assume so. And then, of course, we go to LexCore and Lois, the master of disguises, is at work again, takes a key card. The best thing about this is, and I heard this somewhere else, I forget where I heard it, is that since Lex's memory is gone, she can reuse all his her old disguises and he'd never know. Yes. That's great. That is great. 
I forgot who said that, but I, I read that somewhere, and I was like, oh my gosh, yes, that is awesome. And I love it how Chloe knows exactly where Lois is and calls in to her. Again, saves her butt, too. Oh, and Oliver's already been there. Yes. Which was hilarious as well. That yeah, smile. Pretty. He's pretty slick. But I feel like the moment between Chloe and Lois, where Lois is really just venting, and I like that because really the last time Lois, I think, vented to Chloe was like before Chloe left in season 10 in Lazarus. Yes. I think it was probably in season 9. Maybe even season 8. So it was good that they had a conversation. They did their thing. Yeah. I always thought that was an, a, unfortunate on the show that they didn't have time to do more between them once Lois found out what was going on. You, you would think they would, too. I agree, because Chloe has been with Clark longer. Got his known yeah. secret longer and has had to deal with it. Because it's had to deal with some of the worst parts of it. Worse than Lois's parts with it. Yes. And so I, I, I would think that there would be more of this. But I'm glad Brian took the opportunity and he found a place for it. Yeah, absolutely. And also threw back. probably useful at this point. And had a throwback to Fracture in there, too. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I really do think, and I still hold on to this, I really do think that we need to have Superman be the only hero of Metropolis. John Jones needs to move out to Denver, and Green Arrow and Watchtower need to go to Star City. But there's such a fan base for these characters. And I understand and that. More, that's where it's getting tricky. And I understand that, and that's fine. But really, you're... You're taking away from their own destinies, first of all. And second of all, you're taking away from Clark. Right. And the story really is about Clark. And we've waited so many years for Clark to be Superman. We haven't waited all these years to see Green Oliver's Green Arrow. We can watch that on Arrow. But we've waited all this right. time for Clark to be Superman. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not no disrespect to Brian, no disrespect to Green Arrow. I mean, obviously, I host a podcast dedicated to Green Arrow, but... My point is, is that don't take it away from Clark if you have the option not to. Right, exactly. All right, so we go through uh, back to Star Labs. And it was interesting, Bart starts flirting with this female um, researcher, female scientist. Should have been Iris Allen. And that was fun. But what was interesting is she had a name tag on that said Savannah. Uh, Savannah, like yeah. Oh my god! So I thought that was interesting. I that'll come into play later. I'm like, where is that coming from? Just so. like we thought that kid on the bus and detective was Billy Batson, right? I, I think if that's the case, this might come into play later. It's interesting that Savannah's a girl. Maybe it's a daughter of his or something. Well, Savannah has a daughter. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know where that's going. Uh, but but that's there. Maybe maybe Brian's thinking Captain Marvel. Because he did introduce Iris, so... That would be cool. I, I, that might have been a drop plot line from season 10. So we'll see. But then anyway, we kind of go to a new rendition of the Cosmic Treadmill. Yes. Which was fun. Fun little that reference. Okay, Clark's got one too. 
which was interesting. And I like how one one boosts Clark's speed so he can keep up with Bart. Because the other one lets Bart go as fast as he can. That's really a cool idea. I kind of knew. I've never heard of anything designed to accelerate Superman's speed. So that's an interesting scientific concept on Brian's part there. I like that. Well, because Superman obviously can fly as fast as Bart, right. but Speed Force is about running, not flying, unfortunately. And the animation, or I mean the artwork, uh, yeah, yeah, the cartoon shows, the artwork was unbelievable. Of the running fast. Yes. And giving was... us that speed effect. Really, really cool. That'll look awesome on the print. Well, especially the, the two of them, the one where they're running side by side yes. with each other. And it looks like the images are like stretched out to like give you the experience or the velocity of the speed they're going through, which is really cool. And like the explosion of it, all of that was really, really neat. And then we get this cool shot of Clark in, you know, super speed looking at the black flash. Yes. And it's really frightening. He's huge. Yes. He's, he's a lot bigger than I thought he was and a lot more venom looking. And, and right if you think about flash. this, this is probably one of the most terrifying things Clark has seen. Outside, seen of Doomsday, outside, yeah. outside of Doomsday. And I think that incident in that scenario just kind of affected him. I think that's why Clark was so shaken when he came out. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to stop this thing. Well, partially because of that, and partially, he's not used to going that fast. Right. There's a lot to, there was a lot for Clark. He's not been pushed, this version of Clark Kent has not been pushed like this before. But I love how he has that confidence. But he also realizes, oh man, this is a bad threat. Oh no, and I'm just, after this, That's I'm why really they'll probably go to Right. Because he would be the only other one who would know. Yeah. And I'm just very excited for next week. This is a great cliffhanger. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's... With with these digital issues, sometimes when they cut off, it's not very interesting. But here is a good place. Well, the problem with that is is that he tries and tries... Brian, I mean, tries and tries to make every digital cliffhanger... Yeah. But the problem is three digital is equal to one print. So right. he has to make the final cliffhanger even bigger. Right, and this feels like... So, uh, so the next issue will have to be a bigger cliffhanger. Well, this this issue felt like a traditional cliffhanger we're used to. Or like a commercial break cliffhanger, as I call it. Right. But this is like, it's the first act in Act 1 where the villain's introduced. Yeah. So that's where we are, and great issue again. Good stuff. Keep the train going, Brian. I mean, Detective was awesome, but this is this is classic Smallville. Right, and then that's when we need to go back to. And Brian said that was his intent. You know, episode two was kind of fun and games. Okay, now we're back to what this is about. Because really, I mean, Guardian was Smallville, but it was more Superman. Detective was more DC Universe. Effigy, obviously, more DC Universe, and this is more Smallville. Right. Exactly. So with that, we're going to move on to the closing for this week, if that's all right with you, Michael. It with me. This was a fun episode, good time. But we must be going. We're running over time now. So, Michael, are you going to tell everyone what's going to happen on next week's episode? Absolutely. 
Dan, on next week's episode of the DC Nation podcast, we'll be covering the Green Lantern animated series episode Loss. Not Lost with a T, Loss without one. Loss. That After could be bad. We'll be covering, yes, Young <laughs> Justice Invasion episode Fix, and two new DC Nation shorts, including Batman of Shanghai, Batman, and Justice League of Animals, The Boiled Wonder slash When the League's Away. So they're taking a break from Amistice, huh? Yes. Okay. And after that, in the final battle, we'll see Smallville Season 11, Issue 31, Haunted Chapter 7. Yes. Can't get enough of that story arc. I'm excited for that. Again, yeah. the concept of loss. God, Green Lantern makes me nervous. It's a Manhunters episode, so the Red Lanterns will be back. Oh, I just hope that doesn't mean mass destruction of Aya. I don't know if it'll be this episode. I hope that's not the loss. Be prepared. Yes, be forewarned, folks. Be prepared. The audience is going to cringe. And if you want more from Across the Airways, got all of our crazy zadiness, you can listen to ATA Retro Reviews, which cover past TV shows that were canceled or went out on their own terms. And I think Retro Reviews is on a hiatus again, right? Yes, because Arrow will be returning, so Wu and I will be doing Longbow Hunters, the Arrow podcast once again, available on com. Yes, that's our other podcast that covers episodes of the CW series Arrow in greater detail. Basically the brother series to DC Nation. Right, exactly. Because we can't cover that here too, sadly. And then also we have the original Across the Airways podcast, which covers our log live-action TV series that are currently airing. And some of that includes um, Fringe, Castle, Once Upon a Time, Bones, and just much, much more. It's a big list of things. So if you like hour-long live-action dramas or sitcoms like Modern Family and The Big Bang Theory, check out that show hosted by myself and my longtime co-host, Nico. Also, if you'd like, with any of your theories you've got about upcoming episodes of Green Lantern, the animated series, or Young Justice, or, or, Smallville. or Smallville, or if you want to talk to us about anything, including the weather, you can contact us by visiting our website at www.acrosstheairways.com. Go there, you can email us at acrosstheairways.gmail.com. You can also click the like button on our website to follow us on Facebook, where you will get notified of our podcast episode releases. You can also be able to follow along with the movie and TV news that Nico finds out during the week for our respective ATA podcasts. Also, for that same information, you can follow us on Twitter. And our Twitter is Across Airwaves. There's no the there. It's just Across Airwaves. Or you can also join our circle on Google Plus to get that information as well. And if you have any crackpot theories or like would like to give us your thoughts on any of the episodes of Young Justice or Green Lantern, the animated series that we watch, um, you can leave us a voicemail, which we will play on air if you want us to. Okay, what number can you call to do that, Michael? One seven seven three eight zero nine three three six three. That is one seven seven three. 809-3363. And also, if you'd like, you can check out the ATA forums to discuss any of the DC Nation content we discuss here. 
Yes, please do. Yes, and you can visit our forums by going to the website www.acrosstheairways.com slash forums. And we'd love for you guys to get a topic started and get talking there. It's a great way for DC Nation fans to kind of get to know each other and call themselves over until the next episode. So join that. We'd love to get your support on those forums. Also, we have a YouTube channel, which has a playlist of all the DC Nation shorts that have aired on Cartoon Network. And also on the YouTube channel, we have all sorts of previews for upcoming movies, including Star Trek Into Darkness, The Lone Ranger, Iron Man 3, and Man of Steel. All movies that we are very, very excited for here on this podcast. Also, if you don't want to go back through this podcast to listen to all the ways that you can contact us, you can download our podcast box app. And using our podcast box app, you can stay in contact with our podcast and listen to our podcast episodes on your iPad or iPod. And if you're on an Android system, if you use a tablet or a phone that's on Android systems, you can get the same content by downloading our Android app that's available by clicking the links on the right-hand side of our page. So, once again, for our fellow ATA podcast hosts, Nico Reifstech, Wu Kim, and Andy Babacht, I'm Dan Schmidt. And I'm Michael J. Petty. Got it till our next episode. We will catch you on the airwaves. See you guys. Have a great week and beware of all those creepers that are out there. See ya. Jeepers, creepers, when you get those beepers. Jeepers, creepers, when you get those eyes on. Now return to our regularly scheduled program.